This episode of the Dr. Tina show that you're listening to is but one in a series of episodes all about Ozempic done right. You'll want to be sure to listen to all of them for the full story. You can find all of the additional related episodes linked in the show notes. Please note that I am no longer taking patients. I am unable to answer individual medical questions or make personal referrals for practitioners in your area. That said, I have created a free Ozempic Done Right mini course just for you that you can access in the show notes or via the link on my website at drtina.com forward slash Ozempic Done Right. Inside, I've answered your most frequently asked questions. And again, it's entirely free. So please go grab the free mini course right now at drtina.com forward slash Ozempic Done Right to be notified of further education on this topic. You are tuned into the Dr. Tina Show with Dr. Tina Moore. For more, visit drtina.com. On this episode of the Dr. Tina Show, The Quick and Dirty, I'm going to be giving you a short podcast episode all about berberine, how I used it clinically, and why I believe it is not nature's own Ozempic. I'm going to explain the difference between the two, and you can decide for yourself. So let's jump in. Hey guys, I've been using an incredible supplement for brain support and I wanted to share. Rise by Cured Nutrition is a nootropic blend of functional mushrooms, adaptogens, and cannabinoids that will leave your brain firing on all cylinders. It contains a blend of lion's mane, cordyceps mushrooms, rhodiola, ginseng, and broad spectrum CBD. Let me just tell you, I've been using all of these herbs and ingredients for a long time and I love them all. So to have them all in one place is incredible. I initially started taking Rise by Cured Nutrition because perimenopause brain is real and after After reading over the label, I was sold. Rise by Cured also contains broad spectrum CBD, which aids in balancing the supplement as many of these nootropic focus supplements can be a bit overstimulating. So including the CBD in there helps avoid this. Right now, Cured is extending an exclusive offer to you, my listeners of the Dr. Tina Show. You can grab Rise for 20% off by visiting www.curednutrition.com forward slash Dr. Tina and using coupon code Dr. Tina at checkout. That's C-U-R-E-D nutrition.com forward slash Dr. Tina and coupon code Dr. Tina to save 20%. Here's the deal. So I use berberine clinically quite a bit over the years. My mentor used it quite a bit over the years. We used it predominantly for gastrointestinal issues. So when somebody would come in, um, with signs of dysbiosis, leaky gut, maybe bacterial overgrowth, maybe some parasitic activity, whatever it may be, berberine is wonderful. It's antimicrobial, it's antifungal, it has a wonderful way of aiding in digestion because of the bitterness of it, and it works great on gut issues. So it's not an end-all be-all. We use, usually used it in conjunction with other things. So my mentor taught me how to use it that way. I then used it years later in practice myself. So berberine's awesome for the gut. Think of it that way. It's great for digestion. If you're having some indigestion after a meal, you can take a capsule of berberine, go for a walk. Oftentimes people will feel much better after that. So think of berberine that way predominantly. Secondarily, it has some impact on blood sugar handling. So it has been shown in the data even neck to uh, neck neck with metformin, which is the going anti-diabetic drug, berberine has been shown to help with blood sugar regulation. Now, when you are insulin resistant, you cannot lose fat readily. Insulin will, insulin resistance, I've explained on other episodes, basically insulin is the key that lets glucose into the cell to be utilized for fuel. 
Without insulin, you can't get the glucose into the cell. I've explained insulin resistance on other episodes. I'm not going to go into it deeply here, but most Americans are insulin resistant at this point. We have the data to show that, especially U.S. adults. And when you're dealing with insulin resistance, think of it this way. It preferentially takes the calories you eat regardless of what they're from, protein, fat, carbohydrate, it doesn't really matter. It preferentially shuttles those calories into your fat cells versus your muscle cells. This is why it is critical to strength train. And I've, again, explained that on past episodes, but think of your muscle as a big mop for blood sugar. And we need it to have good, healthy insulin levels and to not end up in an insulin resistant state. Those with no good level of skeletal muscle will tend towards diabetes, type two. They'll tend towards insulin resistance and we are under muscled. We're not as over fat as we think we are as a country, we're under muscled. Okay, so we need muscle to have GLUT4 receptors to suck up the blood sugar, just in the most simplistic terms. And we need insulin at some level to get that glucose into the cell. We also, insulin is somewhat anabolic. Uh, it is secreted after we strength train for a period of time, but it's anabolic. It's to help us build. Think of insulin as pro-grow, but we don't want insulin resistance. We don't want too much of it. I've talked a ton about metabolic health on all of my platforms and mostly here on the podcast and several episodes on metabolic health. So you can understand that better if you go back and listen to a few of those episodes. Berberine and metformin are drugs and herbs, metformin is an herb, utilized to downregulate blood sugar. And when you get blood sugar that's high under control, you will improve your insulin status and you will be more inclined to lose weight. So for the folks out there who've messaged me, I, I made a post on Instagram and I said, or I said something in my stories and said, Berberine is not nature's Ozempic. I have never seen it significantly improve weight loss efforts. I never have. I've used it a ton, you guys, and I've never seen it significantly reduce somebody's weight or even moderately or even slightly. What I have seen it do is improve people's gut health and improve their insulin status and their blood sugar status. And that will help you lose weight. Because if you are, again, insulin resistant and your insulin's cranking and it's high, it will preferentially sequester the calories you eat into your fat cells, essentially locking them in there in a form that's difficult for the fat cells to use as fuel. So high insulin levels will make you tend towards collecting fat inside your fat cells. So in a roundabout way, berberine could be used to help regulate blood sugar levels, regulate insulin levels, and therefore potentially lead to weight loss in some. And a lot of people came into my DMs and they said, oh, it's helped me lose weight. No, it actually helped you get your blood sugar handling under control and that's what helped you lose weight. It was not a direct correlation. It is not a GLP-1 agonist, you guys. Ozempic and other GLP-1 agonists like Monjoro, those are all GLP-1 agonists. They agonize GLP-1 receptors. And that has an impact on your brain, that has an impact on your digestion, that has an impact on your appetite. And again, in, in the brain and digestive level and the gastrointestinal level, I've done three episodes on that called Ozempic Done Right, part one, two, and three. You can go back and listen to those for more on that. But berberine is not acting actively as a GLP-1 agonist. It is not nature's Ozempic. 
It's not the same thing. People telling you that are trying to sell you something. I actually have berberine in a product called Carb Blunt inside of my store, and I'm not trying to sell you on it. I'm not trying to get you to believe that it is in lieu of taking something as potent as a pharmaceutical grade peptide GLP-1 agonist. Not the same thing. I would probably use them in conjunction if I were treating a patient and I were looking at low, if that particular patient had blood sugar regulation issues or gastrointestinal issues or leaky gut or some kind of dysbiosis in the gut, I would likely bring in herbs adjunctively and berberine would likely be one of those. So we like to synergize and harmonize our treatments. It's not just one or none. We want to make sure that we have adequate carbohydrate handling in the individual. That's lifestyle modification. GLP-1 agonists are going to help with that to some degree, but also we need the lifestyle pieces. Remember, in those Ozempic Done Right episodes, I talked about how it was non-negotiable that we strength train and that we prioritize protein and getting our macros in. We want to hit at least 90 grams a day of protein for the average woman and more for the average man. Depends on your strength training levels of what you're doing, but 90 is kind of minimum, easy, easier said than done, but not terribly difficult. Somewhere between 0.7 and 1% gram of protein per pound of body weight is what the scientific literature shows as inducing muscle protein synthesis. Up to you. You're going to hear it said different different places. But we would use other herbs and other nutrients like sodium butyrate, berberine, those types of things to help with digestion and digestive issues, blood sugar handling issues, along with bringing in I would preferentially use a very low dose of a GLP-1 agonist, the lowest viable dose needed. And that's going to be different for everyone. And that's going to be different depending on the amount of weight loss needed, the amount of insulin resistance present, all kinds of factors. So I can't tell you specifically, I'm not going to give you dosages. I just have said multiple times and I stand by this, I believe after... I have personally been using it in tiny droplet amounts. I'll do an episode on that later. I have had family members, friends, colleagues, colleagues who use it clinically and also colleagues who are using it personally. And they're all using very, very low doses for the most part, for the most part overall. I think that the pens that these brand name pharmaceuticals come in, the GLP-1 agonists like Ozempic, Monjoro, et cetera, I think those are starting at too high a dose for most people. And that's why they're having such tremendously terrible side effects. I'm literally drop dosing it. I'm, I'm doing droplets of it. And if I even go up a little too high, I get some of those symptoms too. And yet I'm still enjoying really nice, slow, consistent weight loss because I did actually have a weight, a significant weight gain out of nowhere. Uh, that's a story for another day I'll share with you. Not going to get into it. I will tell you what berberine does do. It facilitates the production of GLP-1 by the intestinal L cells in diabetic rats. This is based on one animal study. I couldn't find any other studies in humans. Your L cells inside your intestines, they're in your duodenum, of your small intestine, and they secrete GLP-1. GLP-1 sits on the GLP-1 receptor and should do the things that are needed to keep appetite in check, to keep digestion moving the way it is, to keep insulin secretion going the way it is. It's one of the factors. GLP-1 agonists work by stimulating that system. Berberine facilitates the production of GLP-1 
by intestinal L cells in diabetic rats in one study based on one animal study, right? I'm not saying dismiss it completely because there's probably some similarity to humans, but an herb that facilitates production of a peptide from a cell in the intestines is not the same as it acting as the GLP-1 peptide. Do you see the difference there? And these L cells are compromised in obese and diabetic patients oftentimes, and we have data showing that. So in the obese state, your L cells will tend to secrete, and this is not Obviously, this is on an individual basis. I'm not giving a big blanket statement, but what the data has shown is that these L cells secrete less GLP-1 and these folks become GLP-1 deficient. And this leads ultimately to the diabetic state. So chicken and egg, hard to say which comes first, right? Because if you're in a diabetic state, you're going to put on weight. Like I explained, you're going to be preferentially storing fat. So who knows what comes first or second, but we know that in the type 2 diabetic and in the obese state or the synergy of both, that we're going to have a deficiency of GLP-1 most likely. That's why these GLP-1 agonists work so well in these folks and everyone else actually. Some of us are far less GLP-1 deficient, right? And so this is where I think early dosing might actually be beneficial. And again, a story for another day, but I think it's the folks who gain 10, 15 pounds out of nowhere very quickly that should also be preferentially being looked at because those are the ones that are potentially sitting on an insulin resistant pathway. And you guys know me, I strength train three times a week religiously. I eat high protein. I eat low carb. I've been this way for decades, but a certain amount of stress mixed with perimenopause clearly triggered something. And I was having the damnedest time getting the weight off and it was coming on faster than I could even mitigate it. So I'm not making excuses because I'm not apologizing. I actually implemented GLP-1 agonists more specifically for chronic pain and for reducing neuroinflammation. I'm far more interested in what it has to do there. Uh, there's a host of other benefits I've gone into in the other podcast episodes you can listen to, and it's a long list. So, you know, no need to hate on me until you listen to those. Educate yourself before you say something ignorant, because I see a lot of ignorance going around the internet, and it's crazy. I'm seeing like actual obesity, like supposed board certified obesity specialists stating blanket that. GLP-1 agonists cause thyroid cancer, which is bullshit. <laughs> that's, just, that's just not true. Uh, but I'm not here to argue that right now. All right, so it does not act as a GLP-1 agonist directly. Berberine, tea, curcumin, cinnamon, wheat, soybean, resveratrol, gardenia, sodium butyrate, those all can also exert GLP-1 release. So we've got a myriad of other things that we can ask, that we can use to ask the L cells to secrete GLP-1. But if the L cells are compromised because of inflammatory bowel disease, chronic dysbiosis, chronic leaky gut, chronic infections, pathogens, parasites, stress, obesity, type 2 diabetes, whatever condition is compromising those L cells secreting, you can try to stimulate them all day. They may not do anything. They may not do much at all. So yes, again, I'm not suggesting we don't try berberine, but we got to quit calling it nature's ozempic. It's just not working that way. 
Ozempic works within your brain to make you feel full, whereas berberine does not do that, okay? Berberine has no impact on the central nervous system. GLP-1 receptor agonists work by slowing gastric emptying, but they do much more than that. And I believe their main impact is actually on the brain. It kills, they kill your hedonic appetite. They kill your appetite. That's another way I know that I've taken a little too much. I mean, I'm literally microdosing it. And if I take just the tiniest bit too much, I just it just crushes my appetite. And I'm not interested in that. I was, again, far more interested in its pain impacts, which I'm enjoying, and what it was going to do for autoimmune disease and other things. I'll share that on another episode. But I do notice the impact on my digestion and on my brain and my appetite if the dose is too high, which is not entirely what I'm going for. It also impacts in the brain leptin and ghrelin. Leptin and ghrelin are intimately tied to your appetite. And so if those are out of whack, which they often are, I'll have to probably do a podcast episode on that because when you're insulin resistant, your leptin gets all screwed up. And when your leptin gets screwed up, your joints hurt and you gain weight and your appetite gets all screwy. So just know that GLP-1 directly impacts these two peptides that are intimately related to your appetite in the brain. GLP-1s also seem to impact dopamine pathways, and this has been shown in studies to take away a lot of addictive tendencies from tobacco to cocaine to alcohol to you, you name it. This is both centrally and peripherally that we're seeing appetite suppression, and berberine does not have these brain impacts. I just want to reiterate that. Berberine does slow gastric emptying down a bit, as does GLP-1 agonists. So that's interesting, but Ozempic does it on a far greater scale. So it makes you feel fuller longer. Berberine does not have the same impact on appetite. It does support a healthy glycemic response to foods. We have data showing that. Um, it's a plant alkali derived from several different plant species, Oregon grape, different ones like that. You can find it in, so we have Oregon grape out here in Oregon where I live and my husband has a big one on the property and it's OG, like it was here from a, a ton of years ago. Who knows? You're supposed to go after the roots. You can also find it on the inner bark, which is interesting. So he makes me tincture out of the inner bark for my gut and for my digestion. It's a great bitter. It's a great after dinner bitter. And again, take some berberine, go for a walk. It works awesome. And it does have an impact on your gut microbial situation. And so that's going to have an impact on your overall weight, your gut microbia has such, a, I mean, that's a whole other conversation. I've got to bring my friend Karan Krishnan on to discuss that because what's happening with your gut microbiome is so critical to your weight, your blood sugar handling, you name it. And while GLP-1 agonists shift your biome to some degree, berberine will have a similar impact, but different mechanism, I believe. So that's it. That's what I wanted to share with you. Remember, just to reiterate, insulin resistance is going to lead to fat gain. Berberine helps with insulin resistance by helping mitigate a healthy blood sugar response. That is most likely its most direct impact. And then that would lead to improved adipose cells health, right? They're gonna be moving and shaking the way they're supposed to. They're going to literally be burning that what they're supposed to with the insulin's not too high. It has an impact on your microbiome, your gut microbiota, and that is going to have some impact on your weight. It helps improve leaky gut and deal with potentially inflammatory gut issues due to infectious causes because it's antimicrobial. So that might have an impact on your weight, but it is not acting directly as a GLP-1 agonist. There are a couple studies that you can 
readily find if you just put it into PubMed and look it up. I'm sure you will find the same thing as I do. It has been used to lower cholesterol. It has been used conjunctively in diabetes. It has been used with PCOS for the insulin-resistant piece of it, and it has been used in balancing the GI microbiome. So that's it. Ozempic is different. Berberine is not nature's Ozempic. I hope that was helpful, and we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to The Dr. Tina Show. Please be sure to follow me on Instagram at Dr. Tina, that's D-R-T-Y-N-A and Dr. Tina 2.0, as well as visit my website at drtina.com. This is a Resonant Media production produced by Drake Peterson and mixed by Chris McCone. The theme song is by John the Guilt. As always, you can email the show at podcast at drtina.com. And if you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. See you next week. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. It does not constitute the practices of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. I am a doctor, but I am not your doctor. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and the materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content on this podcast is intended not to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice from any medical condition they have, and they should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions.